Well, hey guys, how is everybody doing tonight? We're so glad to be here and, you know, another night on uh, Kingdom Talks Music and guess who's back with us, Luke Agee. But first, we want to take care of some stuff. So here's some things that are getting ready to get cranked up. So West Coast, Gillen Adina and Chris Carter are heading to the West Coast. There's an early bird special going on right now, 129. So you want to take advantage of that and RSVP. That retreat's going on September 22nd through the 25th. So you don't want to miss that. And if you can't be on the West Coast, you can come to the East Coast. Uh, Chris is going to still be with them. They're going to be in Anderson, South Carolina, October 14th through the 16th. So get signed up for that. Now, I think uh, the seats on this one is limited, but get signed up now and uh, it's going to be wild. Ah, look at this one is coming up. We're going to have, you know, we've had uh, Nancy on. We've had um, Mike Parson on the other week and now we're going to bring them together and have Chris Carter <laughs> and it's going to be uh, July 27th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, 12 on the East Coast. So you're not going to want to miss this one. This is going to be a great show getting all these guys together. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so the next one after that, August 3rd, John and Amy Meyer are going to be in the house. Gil's going to be with them and they're going to, um, you know, talk about what they do and their background, what they're about and what they're doing in the next age. And after them, August 10th, Buddy Fisher's going to be with Gil and he's going to be talking about, well, I'm not going to tell you, you're going to have to join and find out. So exciting stuff coming up. We got a lot of out and we're just um, excited to have those guys come on and the retreat. So sign up, don't miss them. RSVP today. Well, we had uh, Luke last week, and we're going to pull him in again this week. I don't know if we might even have him next week. Who knows, right? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so our Yeah, so our conversations have been gods and the watchers, and what else? Come on. Leprechauns. Well, leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs> Look, are they really leprechauns, you ask? <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine so. No, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. So I'd imagine that if there's somebody that's coming up with it imaginatively, then there may be a realistic reel to it. So I wouldn't say never. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Hey, you know, guys, if you haven't connected with Luke, Luke has been having some awesome classes and uh, he had the School of Immortality. He had Mike Parsons come in. He had Nancy Cohen come in, among other great speakers. So he's putting together some things. We may do something with him in a closed group. So stay tuned and stick with us because we're going to be um, planning some stuff. And uh, if you want to connect to him, you can on his Facebook account. Or look at here. You look can sign up for his Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and he has uh, you on your school of uh, immortality or you did um, put all the pieces in that. So if they if they join, they're able to go back and watch that. Correct. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We had a session most recently with Arun Balchandani, and we have another one at the end of this month with Ian Johnson. Uh, looking very forward to that one as well. So every single one is recorded and kept in a private Facebook group so that you can go back and watch if you missed it live or if you want, want to watch it over and over again. There's a few I've watched three or four times. <laughs> well, so. sometimes it, it takes that, you know, <laughs> to get it to get in. So we'd like to welcome our co-host tonight, Mike Harahas in the house, and he's going to be on the shows. And Mike, think of the questions that you think people would ask about the topics tonight, because I know there are people who have questions. And so, oh, somebody says, look, we got one for you. Hey, Lou, AJ. Hey. <laughs> There's a blank. Oh, I see. It's probably because of the streaming the thing we're using, right? I'm like, oh, there's a blank face. That's probably yeah, see, we get to put up people, and um, they get to see that um, we get to show their messages. I love that because I like the interaction on the show and being able to um, put in, put their questions in there. Um, yeah kudos of so that's really Absolutely. cool i love the questions because it kind of helps me think to talk yes. about something maybe i didn't really think to talk about beforehand that's right so, yeah fire away yeah fire uh, away um what we'll do is um you know i'm gonna mark them if you have a question put them up in the chat i'll mark them and then we can answer them through the show and then maybe afterwards we can start taking some questions because okay. you're gonna have them because luke's yeah. gonna take us out into the deep and we'll be going, huh? <laughs> so, well, you okay. asked me a minute ago about questions. For me, one of the popular ones would be the definition of watchers. Because I've heard different definitions of watchers over the years. Watchers on the wall of Jerusalem. Watchers back in Genesis talking about evil ones. And then there's good ones. So I, I think it would be a pretty popular theme that people would be asking on define watchers. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, I think watchers are one in the same with, whoa, just me all of a sudden on the screen. You're so, okay. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, everybody else is gone. Um, yeah. We have great fun on here, don't we? <laughs> we do. We have, a, we have a good time. Yeah. Um, first of all, before I go any further, I want to make sure I say happy birthday to somebody on this broadcast. Yeah, how about and, that? Uh, before we go any further, everybody stop and sing to yourself happy birthday <laughs> to Karen Britt. Yes. It is her birthday. She's 21 today, so That's she's right. really excited. Yeah. I'm reverse uh, aging. I'm the big 6-0. Yes, absolutely. The big 6-0. Yes. I was counting you at 59. Well, I'll, I'll take it. Hey, but it's the new 40, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I would have I never pegged you for 60. Yep. Never. Never. I've been around this woman several times. I would have never pegged you for 60 days. Before. Well, guess what? Maybe I'm living the immortal life. Hey, you are. Hey, there you, go. you are. Look, me and Terry Spencer. Terry Spencer's 68. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, he's got me day. by a year. So Yeah, you and Terry both don't seem like it. And Mike, too. I mean, Mike's mm -hmm. a guitar shredding rock and roller, you know, that does not act like an, your normal, stereotypical 67-year-old or so. Hey, you know, That's it true. is what it is. We're all living the life of the spirit. But yeah, just want to say happy birthday. I honor you and appreciate you, Karen. You've been a tremendous blessing in my life. Thankful for you, grateful for you, and hope it was a wonderful day, and I hope it's the best year ever. Yes, it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I cool, yeah. So watchers, uh, to me, they are their own separate category according to the Book of Enoch. 
and in some other writings. They are a type of what you would, for lack of better terms, an angelic class. But what I think there actually are is a class of beings that are mentioned in, I think they're one and the same. There's a lot of debate around that, but I think they're one and the same as the Elohim. I think that in scripture where the gods are mentioned, John 10, 34, Psalm 82, Genesis 1, the different places where it talks about Elohim. Now, I know that for a lot of people right now, that's going to stretch your grid. If you've never heard this before, because immediately people think Elohim just means the one sovereign, most high God. And it can. Don't get me wrong. It can in some places. But many theologians, many deep diving researchers, including, um, oh, I just had his name, Michael Heiser, uh, uh, you know, go into this in-depth teaching where Elohim is actually a term most commonly used for a reference to a word gods with a small g. So they're a class of being known as the gods. So the watchers in Enoch and in some other writings are, to me, the same beings as Genesis 6, where it mentions the Benai Elohim, the, the sons of gods came and took the the women of Adam, the daughters of Adam, the women of mankind, and took them and made them wives and bore children with them to make, you know, giants. And so watchers, to answer your question, the definition is they are a type of angelic race, more commonly referred to as a type of race called gods. So that would be what the watchers are. Now, I know what you're talking about in the Old Testament. There's like the watchman on the wall and different things like that. And I actually... I believe that's referencing humans in my studies, yeah, like yeah. the watch the wall in Ezekiel. But uh, actually, have you guys seen the movie Noah with Russell Crowe that they did just a few years back? Yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. So that's not the best movie cinematically or, you know, whatever. But one thing I will give them credit for that I thought was tremendous is those big rock creatures. Yep. They have helping them build and do things. Uh, they, they call them the watchers. And I found that absolutely amazing because I don't think they looked like that, but just that they incorporated, you know, these beings in at all is amazing to me. Um, because in scripture, it's very clear that it says Noah walked with Yahweh, but he also walked with the Elohim. So the good Elohim, the ones that never left their rightful place, which by the way, doesn't mean they were positioned somewhere in a particular place in heaven, like in a board office. They left their right, they left their rightful place as in, yes, their positional uh, place of authority, but they also left their place as in the type, the way they were supposed to manifest. They weren't supposed to ever manifest in a way where they could actually copulate physically with females but they actually left that rightful place and decided to be able to do that. And so that's two things there, because you usually don't ever hear that part addressed. Usually you only ever hear they were had a position where they were supposed to, you know, watch from a particular place from afar, miles above the heavenlies or whatever. But it also refers to the fact that they changed their genetics to be able to copulate and bear offspring. So that's, that's a couple of things that were wrong that the watchers did. But anyway, I thought it was very interesting in that Noah movie that they incorporated the watchers because Noah not only walked with the one true living God, Yahweh, but he also walked with the watchers or the Elohim as well. The ones that, because they still exist today. They're still the Elohim today. They're still the benign Elohim today. They, they're still the, um, uh, I saw the question pop up, but I lost my chance. Still the Elohim, they're still the watchers, they're still the offspring, they're still all of those today, but there's many that are still, you know, 
good. There's still many that are still considered righteous. They never left their rightful place and so forth. So, yeah, it's very interesting that they put that in there because Noah did walk with both for sure. I think they built the, built the pyramids. Uh, well, there's a lot of debate on that for sure. Uh, we were actually talking about that off air just a second ago. There is a ton of theories around that. I believe it's very possible that some some guidance came from them without a doubt. There's rumors, like Mike was saying right before we came live, that uh, Enoch maybe built the pyramids. There's a lot of talks about then we could deep dive into who were the Mayans, who were the Incas, who were those, you know, type of beings, the Atlanteans. We talked a little bit about them last week very briefly. Who are all these people that built these, you know, earth mounds and these pyramids? And, uh, you know, a lot of these rock formations that you find all over the place was, you know, um, was uh, the Grand Canyon? Was it was it made by hand, or was it something made by uh, a natural disaster? You know, there's a lot of debates out there about whether or not it was made. The uh, the monoliths, the uh, what's the what's the one place? Uh, help me here, Mike. Man, Easter what is Island. Easter yeah, Island. Yeah, Easter Island, and then also the um, Stonehenge. Yep, and Karnak. Yeah, there's all these places that were, you know, obviously not incidental or accidentally built. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know for sure if they're the ones that specifically built the pyramids. I think there's so much debate around what happened with the pyramids. It gets kind of convoluted. But we all I think we all can agree that the pyramids were done supernaturally. They weren't made yeah. with brick and mortar. And, you know, some of that's a little bit deceiving, even when you read about it with, uh, you know, an exodus in Deuteronomy, uh, you know, the slaves the Israelite slaves in Egypt, uh, they didn't build these pyramids, you know, like a lot of people, you know, get taught. So, yeah, they may have built it or they may have at least been a part of building it. So, yeah, because I think a lot of technology came from, you know, supernatural beings like we talked about last week. So, Mike, didn't you say something? You thought it was Enoch that built the pyramids? Well, some of the latest stuff I've been seeing is the, the pyramids like the Sphinx was pre-flood mm -hmm. so if you go back before noah his father was methuselah and his grandfather was enoch they're finding in a lot of ancient egyptian writings the word enoch is showing up and the egyptologists are claiming that that's the same enoch that was pre-flood one of the books that was taken out of the original uh, Hebrew Bible. Um, so it's got to be one of the same fellows. Um, but like the Sphinx, they've proven that was water erosion that caused all that damage to it. And it, they're trying to prove now that the Sphinx originally was carved as a full-blown lion. And because of water damage 10,000 years ago, um, when it was reported the last rains in Egypt took place, uh, the head got distorted and so they decided to carve it into supposedly, I don't think they were called pharaohs then, but maybe it, it was during the time of the pharaohs that they wanted to carve it into an image of a pharaoh. But that was another pre-flood structure like Quebec, like Tepe. Um, you know, that was completely covered for example, and a farmer was plowing the field and stumbled on this big rock. And next thing you know, it's a full blown excavation. And they're figuring this is at least 12,000 years old. 
So uh, it's a very interesting thing that is going on with things that are covered up. How do these things get covered up with all this earth? Yeah, and that's a very good point because um, you have, first of all, a big deception that has been on a lot of people for many years is that Adam and Eve were the first people to ever exist. That's, that's definitely not true. There, you know, there's been civilizations. There's a place in Scripture um, where where the Lord is talking to Abraham. He always talking to Abraham and says, "I've done this many times over before." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have <coughs> there were races and civilizations and all sorts of things, you know, that existed before Adam and Eve ever came onto the scene. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is, is that you have. Uh, where there's been many different times it would appear, and Ian Clayton seems to have really caught a hold of this revelation, that the earth has been, you know, multiple different earths many different times. And that the flood was not the first time that the earth had been destroyed. Um, And then the real crazy thing about that, and I'm not trying to say this is what I believe or that it's true, but this is where a lot of times you really got to, Find find out what's real through Holy Spirit, obviously, with every situation is that, you know, there's even a lot of uh, Jewish rabbinical teachings, uh, especially from the Zohar and some different teachings like that, that actually say that the flood only affected Israel, mm-hmm. that it wasn't a worldwide flood. So, you know, that gets really intriguing. And I, didn't, I really didn't mean to open that can of worms and then run away from it. But uh <laughs> Well, my point with all that is that how many times and in what different fashions were there all these different civilizations accomplishing things um, before Adam and Eve even were brought into the scene and before the Garden of Eden and all that kind of stuff? Because I, I personally believe the Garden of Eden was a different dimensional realm. Anyway, I believe they were lifted to a different place. And so I think what we had back then is a lot of different Stargate portal technologies t- traveling through time and space. And that was what I was going to say about Enoch and the pyramids is that to me, it's very easy to believe that if it, you know, for that to be a possibility, because Enoch was one who was not bound by time and space. Yeah. Enoch was actually one who he was able to move through dimensions of time where he was not you know stopped by any of that and it's just like how they have found carvings that are thousands of years old that look like modern day airplanes and you know where they look like uh, astronauts and different things like that i think a lot of times time loops kind of loop themselves over top of each other and i believe that these realms can collapse on each other and if people know how to operate through these stargates and dimensional portals then they can actually bring a lot of technology and knowledge and wisdom and things from different realms into a different time frame. Well, we got a question here. Yeah. Source for the Abraham scripture chapter and verse. Where he says, I've done this many times before. Yeah. Ah, I'd have to look it up. <laughs> All right, let's get the phone out and start doing yeah, this. I have to, I have to find it. And actually, after I said it, I think it was even Moses. I even was thinking that as I said it out loud, but I think it was actually Moses instead. But um, I will find it. I'll be looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, it's, there's, you know, the whole thing with the multiverse as well as the multi, multiple different earths. And sometimes you got to really dig around to find those kinds of things, you know, to, to really figure it out. But, uh, yeah, so 
you have these pyramids. There's a lot of stuff. And I was getting ready to tell you this off air there, there, Mike, but I'll say it now is that there's an amazing book by David Wilcock um, named the source field where he actually goes into where civilizations have figured out how to harness the power of the pyramid. People actually are being healed just by being placed inside of pyramids for a short period of times. Uh, they find that all of it, uh, uh, of the pyramids are aligned to the star systems yeah. as well as the, the, the earth mounds are, are, you know, the same. They actually found it was surprisingly of all people, Glenn Beck was actually the one who yeah. did a thing one time many years ago that I saw were the same measurements. If you took it based on different size and ratio, the exact same measurements of the radius of an earth mound matches the exact same measurements of the pyramids. So even the same idea behind how they built one was the way they built the other. And so it's just kind of mind blowing because, you know, there's definitely a greater thing at work here, you know, whenever that's taking place. So pretty interesting for sure. Now, with the Giants thing, somebody said something about that a minute ago in one of the comments. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of where I was going with Stonehenge and, uh, you know, some of the other monoliths and different things is that it's very, very evident when you really start to research and study these things out that you had to have some monstrous type beings move some things around. And if you even, I'm sure Mike and Karen have, but if anybody else wants to do it, just Google rock formations that look like they could be prehistoric animals or people. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. You'll find rock faces that are hundred, hundreds of feet high, 20 some feet wide. And it looks exactly like the face of a giant snake. You'll find these rock formations that look like human heads that are, you know, hundreds of feet tall and so forth. It's, it's amazing because then it really starts to make you think about like the movie never ending story. And you start mm -hmm. thinking about like these rock giants and all these different things, you know, and it's like, once again, when I, what I said at the very beginning of the show, a lot of times I believe the only reason people were thinking up some of these things, whether we call it sci-fi or whether we call it just, you know, folklore or mythical or whatever, we're actually, it's people were tapping into eternal consciousness and imagination and, and finding stuff. Oh, wait, this really was real. Yeah. Because during those days you talked about Pharaoh earlier, a lot of those Pharaohs actually saw themselves as gods. And that goes right. wraps back yeah. around to where we started is that I believe a lot of them actually were not as in, you know, like the God that we worship, Yahweh Elohim, but that they were gods that were uh, subjected to the earth. And um, a lot of these Pharaohs, because remember, you have the opposite of that for the first time ever coming about in scripture where the Lord tells Moses, I have made you God unto Pharaoh. And that's either Exodus six, one or Exodus seven, one. It's one of those that's an Exodus six or seven where he says, see, I have made you God. And it's literally the word Elohim. I have made you an Elohim unto Pharaoh because Pharaoh was operating out of sorcery and witchcraft and magic. We know this from the story and then the plagues and Moses shows up with his staff. And we talked about that last week, a little bit about was Moses a magi and did he have his, you know, sorcery infused, um, you know, staff. <laughs> and I mean, there's definitely some supernatural things that were going on. You can even find some writings where Solomon had a ring. And supposedly yeah, yeah. during the Solomon War, he was able to control spirits. And that the, this this will really get into the pyramid conversation. 
because they say that Solomon actually was able to cause these spirits by the power of this ring that he had to build things for him. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, um, Luke, like I know um, we're, you're getting deep into this, but um, where does Mount Hermon fit in all this? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. Good question. Let's go there. <laughs> well, Mount Hermon is in is in Scripture, but it's not as well. It's in like Deuteronomy 12 and in Joshua 17, I believe, um, or Joshua 7, I believe. Um, it's mentioned a few times in the days of Moses and Joshua. Yeah. And um, it's mentioned because it talks about, so, so in the Bible, it's not very in-depth as in being like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, Paul yeah. Wallace. And there's also yeah. Brian, Brian Godawa. Brian G apostrophe D A W A Brian Godawa, uh, true seeker actually had him on a podcast or two. I think if you remember that, Karen, he talks about the guard, the gods of Eden, but, um, anyway, yeah. So Mount Hermon is, is more well known from the book of Enoch, even though it is mentioned in scripture and it, it, they definitely correlate and connect. So Mount Hermon was the place where some, some Jaza who was the leader of these fallen angels actually took a pact with 199 other angels and they bound themselves to an oath. That is also what is Genesis six. So when they bound themselves to this oath, they said that they were going to leave the rightful place, change their, change their genetics and change their rightful position that Yahweh had given them to go and mate with the women. And then also, this doesn't really get uh, put into the scripture as much, but it does in the book of Enoch. It talks about how they also then taught the women and the men of the earth lots of other dangerous, like corrupt things, as in pharmaceuticals. They to told them how to use uh, plants of the earth, which is why I, you know, maybe shouldn't go here, but uh, I don't think either one of you all will care. But that's why I'm still not a big proponent of marijuana use. I know a lot of people, you know, kind of get into this thing where they get into grace and freedom and understand the love of the Father. And they kind of get into this whole, well, it's natural, it's of the earth and all that. Yeah, well, so are mushrooms and all that, you know. And I just think in, none of it needs to be, you know, messed with by any means. But anyway... Some of that comes from the book of Enoch as well with the angels taught them pharmacia. Uh, it also says that's how they taught them how to do war. Hey, Patricia, bless you. Uh, it's how they taught them war, how they used it said that they were the ones who taught the men how to beat, uh, you know, plowshares into swords and create weapons. So they were, they were the ones who taught them violence. They said that they, it says that they taught the women how to uh, adorn themselves with makeup and jewelry and different things like that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of corrupt things happened and it all began with Mount Hermon because that is the, the famous place where they met and they actually descended from the heavens there, took an oath on the earth and then went into the earth and began to do these evil practices. So that's where Mount Hermon really gets famous is because of that. Now, taking it into the Bible around all those same places, which is no coincidence at all. We briefly touched on this last week is that's where you see Joshua commanded to go destroy all these different races yeah. that are in existence. You see him being told to go destroy the Amicalites, the, um, Malachites, so basically all these different ites, the Haggites. I mean, it's crazy. Literally, they all 99% of them end in ite. <laughs> it's very, it's very intriguing. Um, and remember, um, 
with King Saul, you know, as in King Saul and David, when the prophet Samuel said, go kill every single one of them and don't go, you know, don't leave any of them to spare. You want to hear something very intriguing about this? And then I'll wrap back around to the main topic. You know how um, Saul let the king Haggai live? And it said that when Samuel showed up, he said, how come he didn't kill every single one of them? And Saul said, well, I killed all of them except for I took this king captive. Well, he actually lied. He took a few different people when you really read the scripture there. And then if you go in and study, this is so this blew me away last year when I found this out. <laughs> the, um, the king or not the king, but the uh, uh, the, the king's right hand man in the book of Esther is the son of that king. The Agagite king that Saul was supposed to murder, that Samuel then did kill. And what was that? What was that man doing? Killing all the Jews. That's who Esther had to stop. Now think about that. If Saul would have been obedient to what was told to him, and if he had killed every single last one of them, then that there never would have been the one birth that would have come forth to kill millions of people <laughs> in the days of Esther. Just Mind blowing. But anyway, so back to the Mount Hermon connection. The reason why Joshua is told to go through and kill all of these races from infant to grown, you know, elderly, is because they were all hybrids. They were all offspring of the defiled bloodline of these Nephilim. They and were, the animals. Yeah. Huh? And the animals. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Even the animals. Yeah, they were supposed to kill every single one of them. You're totally right. Yeah. Because Genesis 6 said all flesh had become corrupt, even in the days, you know, when the nudge. So the flood, the, the days of Noah and the days of the flood. And so even after that, it clearly says in Scripture, there were giants in those days and in the days afterwards. So we had giants that existed before and then other giants that came along through the uh, watchers, the Elohim, Benai Elohim. And then you also have where there were giants even after the flood, which is what really gets a lot of people's goats. They're like, well, why is that? Well, I don't know. I truly don't. You know, there's some writings about how some of them survived by hiding in the earth. There's a lot of writings that some of them still knew how to do Stargate travel. Some of them, they said, um, built, you know, boats, got on boat, got in boats as well. And, and you know, I don't know. I really don't know. hundred percent. There's a lot of writings. Yeah, there's a lot of different things you could say could have happened. All I know very clearly is the scripture says that even after the flood, they were still in existence. That's what uh, Goliath was. Goliath was an offspring of the Nephilim. Now, there's many different writings that say, he was anywhere from closer to seven foot to other writings that say he was upwards of 13 feet. But then you also have King uh, Gog and Magog. You have them saying that they had these beds. Now, I like what Mike Kaiser writes about that. It wasn't that necessarily all these giants were actually big people. Okay. The word there also implies that it can mean people that became elites. Yeah. They actually imposed their will, whether it was through being able to have different technological advancements, uh, whether they could operate in telekinesis, whether they could operate in shape shifting, whatever it was. There was different things that apparently these people could do where even Nimrod, if you remember, it says when Nimrod came on the scene, it said he made himself or became a mighty man. 
he actually was able to change his genetics like one of the watchers did. And it wasn't that he necessarily became massive like a giant, but he somehow was able to do something to change and alter his humanistic uh, manifestation into a greater capacity. And Nimrod is the one, if you remember, he was operating in such a high level capacity and authority that he was the one behind the Tower of Babel. And that's when Yahweh Elohim had to show up on a scene and go... We're gonna we're gonna rock this whole world. You're all gonna go to different ends of the <laughs> earth. You're all gonna have your different languages. Yeah, we're gonna blow this whole Tower of Babel thing apart. But see, Nimrod had gotten so advanced that he, you know, had learned how to do those things. And he, where are the dinosaurs? <laughs> That's part of the whole. This this thing's been done over and over again. Dinosaurs have ex existed well before Adam and Eve. You know, dinosaurs are 100% real, 100% true. I don't know if science has given us the full stories because I think T-Rex was actually a type of, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's another possibility, that kind of thing with um, uh, the human. Yeah, because the, there's a lot of people out there that speculate uh, Ham, um, the, the one of the three sons of Noah, that he was actually with a fallen angel wife. And that his whole bloodline created a whole new race of these offspring. Wow. Rob Skiba, uh, rest in peace. He, the guy passed away due to COVID. Um, I won't say on, on live air what I think actually happened, but that guy was actually breaking out uh, a lot of knowledge and a lot of information that some people didn't like that he knew. <laughs> I'll just say it like that. But anyway, he's now gone. Um, but he's got some great books out there. If you're interested, look up Rob Skiba, lots of teachings on YouTube. Um, he's the one that really breaks down a lot of stuff that that's real helpful too, especially if you're new to all this that you're hearing tonight. Um, but yeah, there is, uh, a lot of writings about that where the dinosaurs I fully believe existed, you know, many, many years ago without a doubt. And then you also have Job. Job is actually the oldest book of the Bible. Most people think it's Genesis just because it happens to be yeah. in the beginning. Just like most people think Revelation means it's the last book of the Bible. So it means it has something to do with an end times. Anyway, not going to go there. But uh, that that it's not. Job is in halfway through your Bible, basically. And it's the oldest written document. So when Job talks about Leviathan and Behemoth and talks about all these different, you know, uh, he talks about the unicorn. He talks about all these different things yeah. that, you know, exist that are like mind blowing and trippy to a lot of, you know, Christian people, uh, especially, new, you know, newly Christian people. Um, but there's some references right there to some prehistoric animals that Job knew all about. Because um, Job is also the one, I'll, fin I'll finish with this real quick, Karen, because Job is also the one that talks about the morning stars all singing together when everything was created. So Job got to see back through millions of years. Yeah, I know Ian Clayton's talked about um, badger skins. A lot of people think that's like the little black and white badger that bounces <laughs> around here. <laughs> yeah. And it really is like a unicorn type uh, animal. Well, it actually, he was talking about it's many colors, shimmering fur mm -hmm. skins. Well, it's, I, I believe, I don't know if Ian believes this, but I think it's connected to Joseph's coat of many colors. And yeah, he did say, uh, yeah, they see that. that in there. <laughs> Well, we could go real trippy. I know you probably want to take a break here soon, but we could go real out in the deep waters if we want here in a few minutes. It's a little bit off subject, or we can stick with some of this. We could talk about where, when Adam and Eve, when they actually got skin and what that skin and DNA was.
that they yeah. never had before. <laughs> All right, y'all hang on to your seats. Cause we're going to come right back. told you we were coming right back yeah, right back <laughs> i just want to make make a quick statement um talking about unicorns it's actually mentioned about three or four different times about the unicorn in the old testament it, it makes me wonder about that because out of legend there's always some kind of fact rolling around behind all that so just something well, to think about so one of the ways it's explained is that uh, theologians talk about how um, that word that's actually there is unicornicus. Uh, how's it? How's it? How's it? How's it pronounced? Um, yeah, unicornicus rhinoceros. Yeah. No, that's not right. Anyway, it, it basically, it's unicornicus something. I can't remember the second word, but what it basically breaks down to is they try to explain it that it means that it's either a single horn rhinoceros. And then if you have a two-horned rhinoceros, it's called a binocornicus, whatever the second word is, I can't remember. So that's one way. I'm not going to deny that that could be a possibility, but I, uh, I actually heard um, Ian Johnson, who's actually speaking in the School of Immortality, you know, per chance uh, at the end of this month, I actually heard him do a teaching once where he talked about it was so profound to me it was but it also confirmed a lot of things i believed about noah and the ark actually not just being like a boat that floated on water but it has to do with an ark arc and a stargate and that we're not even in that same earth that we were at yeah karen knows karen's like yeah i know about yeah, that i know that i've heard i've yeah. heard ian clayton talking yeah yeah i was just saying i bet both the ians know all this yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Ian Johnson talks about how there's a few different animals he believes were able to stay in the Garden of Eden, that where Noah actually went was that he went to the Garden of Eden. He went to the dimension known as the Garden of Eden and that the unicorn actually stayed there, as well as some other uh creatures in that you know when Noah came back with, with most of the others, uh some of those others stayed behind. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's a couple of comments I want to put up. Um, yeah. Ian Clayton has talked about Joe being older than Adam and Eve. 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Patricia Owens is having a great time with us. She always <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> hey, check this out. Check this one out. Is Elon Musk a giant descendant? Question mark. Interesting technology to Mars makes you yeah. wonder. It does make you wonder. I don't know. And, and I don't ever mean to talk about these things to cause people to start looking, you know, like under a rock for everybody being part of something, you know what I mean? Because uh, that's where Jesus came in and played a tremendous role to change all of our DNAs. Cause we were all part of corrupt DNA at one part. And he shifted all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Elon Musk has a powerful purpose for this time and season is what I will say about that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he very well could without a doubt. I know there's a lot of stuff out there floating around, you know, and if you, it's real easy to investigate that he could very well be, um, you know, one of the um, like Masonic clone babies. He, I mean, there's also there's so many things, you know, that he could be a, a blood covenant child. And, and uh, yeah, he could be. 
<laughs> or he might just be a really smart dude that decided he wanted to go after some things. And, and just because they're able to come up with this doesn't automatically mean that they're, you know, part of some corrupt bloodline or whatever. But I mean, it's a possibility. It really is, um, you know, because it, it could be a lot more possible for anyone that you are around to be part of some type of descendancy like that. But that's where the blood of Jesus, Ephesians 2, Paul clearly says, by means of the cross, he made one new man. So the Genesis 6, all flesh became corrupt. The Ephesians 2, balancing out the restoration, the redemption, right? So the blood of Jesus speaks of greater things, no matter what those things are. And so, you know, even if he was, Elon Musk, Elon Musk could easily, easily be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But I will say, I'm a little bit more... I'm a lot more different than, uh, than people are with, the, with these kinds of things. I believe the parable of the wheat and tares tells us a whole lot about Yahweh allowing people to create and bring forth things that uh, people that don't profess his name or, you know, follow his spirit uh, are going to be able to accomplish because the Lord wants it done. And Justin Paul Abraham has confirmed that before I've heard him say that he's seen things in the council of the heavens where there's a lot of people that are fulfilling scrolls for the earth that aren't even uh, confessing Christians. But they're doing things because nobody, the other people won't do it, especially those that are you know, called Christians, especially those who profess the Lord. A lot of people call everything taboo or evil or wicked and leave it alone. And then there's others that are going after it, which is why I so respect people that are out there right now without any fear teaching people kingdom you know things uh, you have your brian orms and your rune balchandonis and kirby delanerals and you know so forth all the different people many of us know that are going for it not living in fear saying god's not waiting to say you're doing something bad every second you do something <laughs> you know that's different actually he wants you to be doing these things i mean he wants somebody to be bringing the manifestation of higher realities into the earth and he'll, that's why you can go look at Hollywood movies. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the church's uh, institution has said, they'll say and have said, and will still say God can use anything. But yet when he does use something that's out of the box, then they go, well, that's not God. Yeah. So then, <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's like a double standard going on on that one. Yeah. So. yeah. People say, you know, they don't want things that, are, that aren't in the Bible while drinking their coffee and watching something on their computer. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> they'll be they'll be drinking Starbucks while flipping through things on their their phone mm -hmm. while watching this on a computer, saying they only want what's in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, hey, oh, look, uh, Paul was killing Christians. Uh, uh, yeah, he used him, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and Paul would even actually later on say that he was crucified with Christ. Yeah, but somehow even right after, for many years, upwards of twenty some years, he was killing Christians. So anyway, I mean, look at David. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought up David because I wanted to go there <laughs> earlier. Two places I want to go before I forget. Let me come back to David is uh, this is very interesting. But when you look at the uh, Paramount symbol. Yeah. Movie. That's actually Mount Hermon. Hermon. And right. how it's surrounded by the stars. So even Paramount understands this, <coughs> whether they're infiltrated 
by somebody, you know, operating in a wickedness or whether it's just an idea that they had or whatever it may be. It's very interesting because that's legitimately Mount Hermon that's in that picture. And it has the stars coming and forming around Mount Hermon. Hello. The fallen yeah. angels were also referenced in Enoch as the fallen stars. So I just find that very, very intriguing. And, you know, beyond coincidence that Paramount <laughs> had, had done that, you know, right. and, and has that symbol like that. Um, but with King David, something we have to address is that King David had his mighty men, his <laughs> champions. So who were they? Mike? I bet you know. Who were these champions? Who were these mighty men, huh? I think you got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they were part of these Nephilim. Yeah. So David, you know, David in his days was doing the same thing as Joshua. You know, remember whenever he wanted to build the temple for the Lord and the Lord said, you can't do that. Your son's going to have to do it because you have too much bloodshed on your hands. Even though this is the ironic thing about the Lord. Uh, this is especially old covenant Lord. You know, I'm not really, anyway, I'll just leave that as it is. But uh, sometimes I feel like I got to explain every little detail and I got to learn to just. Well, sometimes you do, because I mean, yeah. you know, like, Hey, I'll tell people right here. If you know, if we said it last week too. like, you might not agree. And kingdom oh, yeah. talks makes the disclaimer. Hey, we may not all agree, but we want people to bring their peace. Right. Yes. So, right. Yeah. So we have to become, if we're going to become mature sons, we're going to have to be able to listen to the other piece without going, okay, Luke, uh, you're in deception <laughs> right yeah, now. Yeah. I got to call you out on the carpet. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've learned to, to listen to everybody. I like, um, there's a, a, a Jewish rabbinical phrase where, Two, two Jewish people can be in an argument and a debate and they get three different uh, uh, viewpoints and they don't call any of them wrong. And I'm mm -hmm. like, we really need to be like that again, you know. But yeah, so David's mighty men, uh, David was doing the same kinds of things. Um, you know, that was why he had too much bloodshed on his hands, even though the Lord was the one telling him to go destroy these places and to, you know, take these kingdoms and villages and so forth. Uh, but what David was doing was going out and actually doing the exact same thing as Joshua. He was taking these territories. He was taking these lands and defeating these hybrid races, eradicating them from the land. And it's no wonder the very first time we see him do that is with Goliath. Yeah. Because Goliath, historically, if you look it up and, you know, they, they actually say that he had six fingers and six toes. Yeah. On each one not combined <laughs> <laughs> you better stop <laughs> That's well funny. they had actually found a tribe and i forget where it is the whole the whole tribe is like that yeah six fingers on each hand six toes on each foot there's a whole tribe like that and they're trying to figure that out yeah yeah and so this is where it gets really 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 epic with the gospel okay because you too know, you've heard me talk about this before, and many others listening will probably have heard this before, that I believe Cain was the son of the serpent, 
right? Yeah. And that the very first murder recorded in scripture, which I don't believe, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you there were humans that existed for millions of years, or at least hundreds of thousands of years before Adam and Eve, and there was no murders before that. I, I don't believe that. But I believe, uh, well, we know biblically, the first biblical murder was Cain and Abel, right? Mm -hmm. So right from the very beginning, we have what I believe was a hybrid race being killing a pure breed. Yeah. Okay. I can go so, with that. Yeah. So earmark, earmark that. And let's fast forward to David and Goliath. And Goliath is a Nephilim. He's one of the giants. Um, he actually was probably more one of the Raphaim as opposed to the Nephilim. But anyway, he was one of the giants. Six fingers, six toes was at least somewhere around seven foot, anywhere up to 12 foot tall. Okay. David kills him, all right? And remember, he says, I'm going to cut off your head. David didn't even carry a sword. He had a shepherd's <laughs> crook and he had oh, a sword. Funny. But the sword was Goliath's. So Goliath had a sword. Anyway, David kills him, cuts off his head, right? David, they bury the head there. Most writings will say they actually left it hung up for quite a while, like on a uh, post as a sign marker to anyone who came around that this is where your head honcho giant was killed. Okay. Now later they buried it. All right. That place where it was buried was called Golgotha. Yeah. <laughs> that ring a bell. Yeah. <laughs> it was called Golgotha means place of the skull. Wow. Now where was Jesus crucified? Golgotha. Golgotha. His blood actually ran down into the ground, Ooh, actually ran down into the ground unto the place of the skull, unto the place of Goliath's skull. His blood actually went down into the very ground. And to me, why is that important? To me, it symbolizes how his blood was a blood that came to end the defilement of corruption of the corrupted DNA. And that he he was saying no more. Are we going to even this is this is this is the you know disclaimer territory. But that he was saying no more is there supposed to be enmity between any of the bloodlines, whether it's considered corrupt or not corrupt. That no longer was there going to be a defining marker. And that's once again all of Ephesians two. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Roman. There's neither uh, Gentile. There's no male. There's no female. It's all Christ, right? That's the, what the cross did, according to what Paul said in Ephesians 2. But that is absolutely tremendous. You can't make up stuff like that any better. That a hybrid giant is killed. His skull is buried there by King David, who is you know, mentioned over and over again as being the bloodline that Jesus comes out of. And then Jesus comes and gives up his life to be crucified in that very place of the skull of a, of a Nephilim, of a, of a Raphium, of a hybrid. And so then we now have David with his mighty men. This is where I kind of began it. And then I always chase some rabbit trails there. You know how that goes. But David and his mighty men, he was actually going around and picking up. They knew who he was. They knew he was the one who killed Goliath. So instead, these these giants, these mighty men, one, it said, killed uh, a thousand soldiers. And his sword actually clung to his hand. 
We're talking about supernatural stuff. We're not talking about just a supernatural strength. It literally says when you go study it out in Chronicles uh, that his sword was fused to his hand. That's supernatural technology. Then you have one who killed a lion with his bare hands in a pit. And then you have the one that said that he ran and got David the water when David was thirsty and they were at battle. He went and killed 400 men, took water from the well and brought it back to David. And then David poured it out and said, I won't drink if my men can't drink. But anyway, that's not important. The part was, is that he was surrounded by these champions. They're called champions. They're called mighty men. Now, think about this for a second. Genesis 6. What does it say when they gave birth to the children? the giants it said these were the ones of old the mighty men of renown mm. so who was david working with the oh. mighty men yeah the mighty men they <laughs> went around and started picking up these superheroes it's so I funny is it just look speaking of superheroes yeah i give a shout out to gil he's in tijuana watching the show right now so we give a shout out to him so you know, they're superheroes, uh, him and right. Adina now. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They've been forever immortalized in Karen's... Uh, I mean, is it just wild that how everything is like uh, tied together like that? I mean, oh. and you just don't get this stuff on your sun, Shundi Bundy's. I go to church on well, Sunday, you're just circular. not getting it. It's all yeah. circular. Exactly. The beginning meets the end, and the end is goes back to the beginning. I mean, you could even go into the children in the wilderness. Now, Karen was we were I was at a conference with Karen. Uh, golly, was it last year? Me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. October, October. Whew. It felt like it's been so long, so much longer than that. It feels like it's been so long since we were together doing that. No, but, no, uh, we're gonna do some more. You yeah, know, October, we got but... we got some stuff we're talking about now. So. That's right. That's right. We're gonna make it happen. <laughs> But when, when I talked, so I talked a little bit about this in that conference, you know, where um, felt able to free roam a little bit with some really crazy out there things. And people are like, wait a minute, isn't that tonight? No, we, we got crazier things. Trust me. Three of us know we got crazier things we could chat about. So if you're interested, maybe we'll have something for you soon. But, <laughs> but uh, even the children in the wilderness, the ones that went 40 years when it should have only taken them 11 days, it, it, it says that all the first generation died. Yeah. So where, why did they all die? Well, they were all the ones that had been seed line mixed in Egypt. Yeah. And so they had their offspring that was not as, uh, they were still seed line mixed, but they were not as, um, what's the word I want to use? They weren't as uh, submerged, if you will, or as completely corrupted, if you will by that seed line mixture in Egypt uh, was Goliath mom once a daughter-in-law of Naomi. You know, I'm not sure. That's something new to me. Daughter-in-law of Naomi. Remember that. We'll take note. Yeah. Cause I've never <laughs> heard of that. I want to look that up now, but no, I've never, I've never come across that. That's very interesting. That's a good question. Are we still on Mount Hermon? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Because Mount Hermon led into, you know, it's always on a mountain. It's always on a mountain. And then Mount Hermon is actually, because remember, uh, Jesus gave his, you know, I'm trying to see if I want to finish that other thought real quick, because it was kind of, it's kind of connected. But yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. So it is connected to Mount Hermon because um, there's always a mount. There's always a mountain that's involved 
And it's because I believe it's because the corruption began on a mountain like that. You know, Mount Hermon's where the corruption really, really began. That became the most debasing of the human creation. And bringing it back around, we talked about Joshua. We talked about David going in and killing them all. And then David actually started partnering with them all. That's still connected to, uh, well, that's awesome, Diego. Bless you. Um, so that's still connected to Mount Hermon because David actually went and actually started to gather his army, if you will with some of these beings and they became loyal to David, which mean they, which means they became loyal to David's God. Mm. They became loyal to Yahweh. Yeah. Now, when Jesus came, he actually gave his sermon on the Mount, his sermon of the, his Olivet discourse. Guess where that was at? Mount Hermon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when Jesus came and gave us the exact nature of who we're meant to be, it wasn't a list of regulations of do's and don'ts, but when he talked about turn the other cheek and when he talked about you say, you know, an eye for an eye, but that would make everybody blonde. He's actually talking about the ending of the seed line race wars. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. And so Jesus is actually saying you'll know of the bloodline you are and you'll know who you're intended to be when you recognize that this is what you're intended to do. You're intended to lay down your life for others. You're intended to forgive. You're intended to give and not worry about returning your, you, you know, lay down your life. Just all the things that he taught to love, to operate out of love, the two laws that he gave that happened at Mount Hermon. So when Jesus showed up, he actually was showing up and re announcing that he was taking claim and ownership. And Karen, you've heard me say this. Um, Chris Blackaby has a, an amazing teaching called uh, uh, Yahweh and the gods. God, Yahweh picks a battle or something like that. Yeah, Yahweh picks a battle. It's where Yahweh actually can, can, takes on human flesh as Jesus Christ. So Yahweh Elohim in the beginning with Genesis 2, the one that made Adam, the second version some of y'all heard me talk about this before, not the Genesis one version of Adam, but the Genesis two version of Adam, Yahweh Elohim breathes into Adam. That's who I believe was born in a human flesh named Jesus Christ was Yahweh Elohim himself. He was the head of the Elohim, which is why you have the accuser coming around in the wilderness saying, if you really truly, yeah, from the five falls of Genesis, that's right. So if you, uh, you know, if you are really are the son of God, he's basically asking him, if you really are Yahweh Elohim, do these crazy miracles. And then you've got all the parabolic things, the turn the stone into bread. Well, that's the law. You can't turn the law into the bread of life. It doesn't work. So that's all parabolical stuff. But this is an accuser saying, hey, I recognize you and I've heard about you. If you're really this person, if you're really Yahweh Elohim, do these things. I want to see you do it. Right. And then he wants him, of course, to submit and all that. But anyway, so that's why that goes on. But also one of the more epic stories about all that is when Yahweh Elohim, Jesus Christ, is in the boat. Remember the famous story, Peace Be Still, to the storms? Yeah. You know where, what that's going on? What's happening there? He's actually traveling outside of Israel, which is one of the territories, Deuteronomy 32, 18. I talked about this last week, just very briefly. And then we got raptured. Was that, um, <laughs> was, sorry, that was a bad joke. Was that, uh, Mike, Mike, I got to take a drink. Uh, Mike, what do you got in there, Mike? Anyway. Uh, so, We're here. <laughs> hey, it's close. In uh, Deuteronomy 32, 18, okay. it actually said these are the different places that uh, Yahweh assigned, El Elyon assigned 
all the places for the gods to be. And so Israel was specifically Yahweh Elohim's. So why did Yahweh Elohim come as Jesus Christ in the flesh? That's why John 1 says he came unto his own and they recognized him not. Oh, man, I'm getting fired up. About to start getting into preaching mode. I feel it's starting to happen. Go ahead. Go ahead. So then, <laughs> when Jesus is in the boat on the waters and he says, peace be still, why is the storms taking place? Because he's traveling outside of his territory. Hmm. Uh, wow. He's reclaiming all the territory. That's why he sends his 70 out. That's why he sends out the disciples. And he says, now you go tell everyone, basically, now it's all mine. It was always mine to give, and now I'm claiming it all back. But when he landed, where did he go? He went to the Gedarenes. And when he landed, as soon as his foot stepped on that ground, this is where I, you know, it gets really epic. I get fired up about this all the time, is I believe when his foot touched the ground, the vibrational frequency that is only matched by the God Most High shook that entire land because they had never experienced him there ever before. And when he, whew, and when he stepped onto that land, it, it shook that whole territory. Why, why do we know that? Because it said the madman ran to him mm, wow. and threw himself down and said, Jesus, son of the living God, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us before our time? Mm. They knew he had shown up. They knew there was a time frame. And he said, get out, go into the pigs. And that's a whole nother parabolical thing. The Jews thought the pigs were defiled and corrupt and nasty. And, you know, there's a whole other thing there. It's the first case of deviled ham you'll ever read about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't right. <laughs> oh, my God. If you'd, have if you'd have cast the demons into chickens, we'd have had deviled eggs. But instead, we got deviled ham, okay? And, What's uh, deviled crab? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is that a thing? Is deviled crab a thing? Because it sounds like it'd probably be pretty good. <laughs> it is a thing. That's awesome. I have to look that up. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know deviled crab, crab existed. I live in the country. I don't live near seawater. <laughs> wow. I know deviled ham, though, because I'm a country boy. But anyway, uh, yeah, so... Jesus, you know, casts all the demons out into the pigs and then they jump into the water, which is very interesting. We don't have time for that tonight, but then that's very interesting connected to Jude and Second Peter 2. And then Jesus, when he speaks and he says, when a demon is cast out, they go through dry land seeking water, which is really weird. Why, why was the earth flooded? Why did they yeah. leave that territory? What? Oh, boy. Shaka boomba. But anyway, uh, yeah, so... Yahweh, Elohim, came in the flesh because all flesh had become corrupted. So he inserted himself into that which he loved because he wanted to take on that word there is sarks. When it says in John 1, the word became flesh, that word there is sarks. It actually means not human skin, even though it is that. We know that's true. It actually is the word that means the deep depravity and debasement. So that which is the most wicked of the wicked, Jesus put himself in. He wrapped himself in it so that he could shine the light of the glory of God through every bit of it and sanctify wow. it all. Hey, Luke. Yes. Um, let's, let's do this. I think, um, I know you guys out here watching, you can hang on for, I don't know, a little bit more. We're at an hour. Cool. So if you guys hang on, let Luke tell you about Adam and Eve's skins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit off base from the, the gods and the uh, watchers, but yeah, it's worth talking about. Yes. So y'all ready for this? Yes in the chat. 
All right. <clears throat> so remember in Genesis 2, it said that he formed Adam from the dust of the earth and then he breathed into him. So does the dust of the earth, which, by the way, was gold dust. Karen already knew that one. Bonus points yeah. for anybody that already knows that. Mike, do it. 50 points for you both. You, you win. You got it. <laughs> he's not a dirt bag that's right no, Adam is not a dirt no. bag in any way shape or form trust me no. I can teach you guys for hours about Adam would blow you away how Christ like he was but anyway um, he gets a bad rep but anyway Adam and Eve okay so Adam he was made of the gold dust breathed into by the way the most pure high burning gold you can find that exists actually becomes translucent Yep. So when God breathed into him, you now see where we have the New Testament writings by Paul talking about Jesus being the only express image and brightness of the glory of God. And where he also talks to us in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 and says, beholding as like in a mirror, the glory of God, we become transformed into the same image. Why is that? Because that's what transfiguration is, what Jesus did upon the mount. Oh, by the way, Karen, guess what mount Jesus was transfigured on? Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. Yeah. How did I forget that? <laughs> I forgot to get into that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I meant to say that earlier, man. Yeah. Well, you're welcome to say it. Rabbit you talk about those skins right now. Yeah. Rabbit trails. <laughs> such a good thing. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Jesus transfigured on Mount Hermon. So, there you go. Another, another thing with Mount Hermon that he eradicated, he brought uh, restoration to. Yeah. So, Adam and Eve, uh, Adam breathed into, he becomes a living soul. Okay. He becomes a living soul. There's not, he's not a spirit. He's a living soul because contrary to popular belief, Jesus did not come because Adam fell. Jesus came because he was a slain lamb before the foundation of the earth. He was going to come no matter what, no matter what Adam did, yeah. Jesus was coming. That's scriptural. I mean, you can go look that up if you don't believe me. I'm not trying to argue. That's Bible. That's clear cut. Ephesians one, yeah. you know, revelation. Anyway, uh, so when Adam and Eve did their thing, so Eve, where'd she come from out of the side of Adam, right? So she yes. is also gold dust. She's also yes. gold dust. And then a soul was placed into her. Actually, what took place there is that Adam was a hermaphrodite. <gasps> yeah. He, he contained the male and female aspects within his being as a soul before Eve. And then God said, I'll give you the perfect helpmate which is I'll give you yourself, a side of yourself that was once inside of your body. Now I'll make you two. That's why the two shall become one flesh because they originally were one flesh. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Whew, sorry, I'm getting whacked. But anyway. Out of something. There's a, there's a uh, you know, hey, we hear it all the time, but you just don't put it together, you know. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a female side of God, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolute wisdom is sad. Yeah, wisdom is a female. Yeah, God yeah. is genderless, yeah. right? The best way to put it is that God is genderless because He inhabits all genderism. Because well, He keeps. Go ahead, Mike. He keeps referring to her wisdom mm -hmm. when he, he, you know, the, the fear, reverential fear of God is wisdom, and He keeps calling wisdom her. Yep. Wisdom shall have all of her children is in Proverbs. Yeah. yeah Sophia. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, Adam and Eve. So he takes Adam, separates the female aspect of himself, creates a whole nother entity named Eve. And then whenever they fall, 
you know, for lack of a better term, just keep it within the verbiage we know, they have to actually go into a different dimension. So they actually have to leave a higher frequency realm known as the Garden of Eden, which is actually known as a place of pure pleasure, pure relationship of pleasure. They had no knowledge of evil, hence the fruit knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't an apple, folks. It wasn't some apple with knowledge of good and evil wrote on it. (laughs) It wasn't a physical tree. It wasn't a physical snake. Throw all that out. So when they partook of this action, which if you've heard me talk before, I believe it was a sexual act, which is where the serpent seed came from, all this, all of that. Um, you, you see the punishment with Eve fits with a sexual immorality, right? Because she says in childbirth, your pain shall be intensified. You shall cry out for your husband and all this. Anyway, so they're going to move to this new dimension. It says what happened. Adam says we are naked. God said, who told you you are naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat of? And Adam says, my wife ate, so therefore I ate, in a nutshell. So then God gives them the punishment. And then it says he gave them skins of clothes. He gave them, it says, most people, most translations, let me just pull it up here. I'll just read it directly to Someone you. Someone would say animals. Yeah, it does say that. It mm-hmm. does say uh, animal skins. And it says, uh, Yeah, okay, I'll put it. Yeah. And he says, and he made animal skins for them and clothed them. Patricia said yeah. fake leaves. <laughs> well, that's what Adam and Eve made for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Adam and Eve made for themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I'm trying to find it, read it exactly. But you can find now, that's it. That's interesting, too. It is, because remember, Jesus curses the fig, curses uh-huh. the the fig, fig tree. tree. Yeah, and that has to do with, uh, here it is, Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins Hmm. and clothed them. Some translations say animal skins. So what you will hear from most people is that he sacrificed or killed an animal or two and gave them uh, like animal fur coats. No, my friends, remember, they only were gold dust. They did not have any blood in them at all yet. They didn't have any physical skin yet. They didn't have either one at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So what did Jesus give them? What did Yahweh give them? It tells us he gave them literal skin for the first time ever. Where did he give it to them from? I believe he actually transfused them with the DNA of animals. Wow. And that he actually took the same skin of an animal and infused it into, into Adam and Eve. Why? Because they were being moved into a new dimensional realm. And where they, where did they go to? To this realm that was fallen, corrupt already. That's yep. scriptural. It says, I will now return you to the earth from which you came. He put him back into a dimension that was outside of the garden, right? Yep. So what did he need for there? He, they needed a different type of clothing to dwell in that place. And but yet they were still in that gold body. Yeah, I didn't go into, I didn't deep dive into all that. You're right. They they originally inhabited their bodies with their spirit. Yes. They were originally inhabited with the Shekinah glory of God. And then all that went internally and they got covered up by these skins. So I say all that to say the first time Adam and Eve had actual DNA, blood and skin was in that moment. Because they were given a skin and given a DNA so they could enter into this new dimension. Now, why else is that important? I'll tell you why. 
what were they meant to sacrifice in the old covenant for the for the sanctification of sin, sins? Animals. Animals. Why was that such a representation of who they were? Mm, that's wild. Because yeah. it was the same DNA. And then you can mm -hmm. take it to the new covenant. And Paul says, kill, deaden, and deprive those animalistic impulses that dwell within your members. He's literally saying some of you are still acting like actual animals because of your <laughs> DNA. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know what? Like, I mean, that's why we're in the skins that we're in, because we have to have this to operate in this dimension. Yeah. Like Ian Clayton says, you're not a human being with a spirit. You're a spirit inside a body. So yep. That's why. same thing. <laughs> Yeah, you're 100% right. First Corinthians 15, it says that the first Adam was a, uh, became a living soul and the second Adam, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. So we are life-giving spirits that have a soul and have a physical body. There's, there's no, any other order is improper. Yeah, and it's interesting that you have, um, he took, out from his rib, there's a side in you know going in. Then you have Jesus getting pierced in the side. Bingo. You have um, Thomas putting his hand in his side. Absolutely. <laughs> because so really, really, out. where is that? That's the womb. Mm -hmm. So really, really, Adam birthed Eve out of the womb of his being, and then Yeshua birthed us out of the womb of his being. Where, where was our new birth? Well, when he was stabbed in the side, just like you said, what flowed out? Blood and water. Yeah. And there's actually a, an ancient story by uh, Longinus, the, the tales of Longinus, L-O-N-G-I-N-U-S, non-canical. So however anybody feels about that, it's up to you. But there, you know, whether it's true or not, that's your call. But Longinus actually was supposedly the soldier that pierced Jesus. Yeah. It's an amazing story. You know this story, Mike? Vaguely. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I just was at, I was just with Joshua Mills last yeah, he, week in Pennsylvania. Yep, he, he's here at um in uh Ashland at the uh Calvary campgrounds where Ruth Heflin uh has. So he's 45 minutes away from me right oh, now. Oh yeah, he, that's his that's his mama. He called yeah. her mama Ruth many times at yep. this conference. Yep. Yeah. I spoke at a conference with him last month in Pennsylvania. Real deal. Him and Janet are epic yep. people. Yep. And yeah, all that gold dust comes from out of us, comes from out within us, out. It comes from okay. the inner glory out to the manifestation. But anyway, with longness, uh, I'll wrap up here. And then if you, we need to end it, Karen, it's up to you. Okay. I know yeah, we, yeah. Over, so I'll let you make that determination. I'm good. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Longinus is supposedly the one that stabbed Jesus in the side. And when he did, the blood and water flowed out, hit him in the face. And he actually had a blind eye that was supposed yeah. to be healed. That's the story of Longinus. And that's why he's the soldier that fell down to his knees and said, surely we killed the son of God. It's because he was healed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Look at here. This one says, you all need to come to Nashville. Looks yeah. like I'll be going there again, right? <laughs> Let's do it. Music Loved City. It there. Capital yeah. world. Let's do it. <laughs> you guys belong there for a few reasons. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Yeah, you never know. 
Hey, guys, if you haven't picked up our music, we are the Elastic Army Band, and you can go to theelasticarmyband.com and pick up our Mysteries album there and check out the website while you're there. Uh, also, we want to give a big shout-out to Gil and Adina for yes. uh, letting us have these awesome shows uh, with people like Luke and others that are uh, have been on with us and that are planning to come on. Stay tuned because we're going to have another show at the 1st of August. We're going to have the UK people come like uh, Janine Johns and uh, Rob Townley and Craig Walker. That's going to be an awesome show too. Yeah. If And we're always going to have Luke on. Luke's welcome anytime because he always has great things to share. And so, Let's see if we can put something together because I know you guys would probably love to have a, a closed session. If you haven't been in a, a closed session with Luke where he can really go deep with you, <laughs> you haven't lived. Right? Yeah. I don't get so scatterbrained in those closed sessions. I, kind of That's right. I just go deep on one particular topic. <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to be putting out some things. Again, uh, shout out to Gil and Adina. Thank you all so much. We love what you're doing. And uh, wait for their show because they're going to have a great couple of shows coming up. And stay tuned tomorrow night because guess who's going to be on? We got a guest host, Jerry Bryant. He's from Nashville. Oh, come on. <laughs> and awesome. he's got his guests. So tune in with us um, and watch that show. But. You guys have been great. Thank you, Luke, again. And thanks, yeah. Mike, for coming yeah, on. Absolutely. And stay on with me, and we're going to uh, sign off. Always All right, pleasure. guys. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>